Hi, everyone, and welcome to Another Kind of Wealth podcast with me, Lottie Leaf. I'm the founder of the Jura Society, a platform and private client consultancy focused on crafting a deeper connection between wealth and wellness. We aim to inspire and educate women to take control of their financial future. I have the pleasure of being able to speak with some of the best in the business, and now I get to share this with you. So come on in and join us as we hear all about today's topic. And welcome to the next of our In Conversation series. I'm Lottie, founder of the Jura Society, a platform and private client consultancy uh, created to craft a deep connection between wealth and wellness. So today I'm delighted to be joined by our guest, Sabrina Percy. She is the co-founder of Sentient Clinic, a mobile health and wellness service composed of medical and scientific experts who bring a holistic, preventative, performance and precision approach to medicine. Sabrina is also an accredited human potential and executive coach. So I'm very excited to have her join us now. And this... Let's see if this one works. So there she is. Well done. Hello. Hello. How are you? Very good. How are you? I'm very good. Bit warm. My hair's gone a bit poofy. Um, but, um, no, lovely, lovely to see you. And so I'm just going to give a little run through about what Sabrina and I are going to be talking about this morning. Um, it's going to be about health optimization, specifically about how to achieve helping people to live life consciously into their full potential and how to think about health in 2022. You know, we've had a bit of a shocker of the last two years. And I think that Sabrina has definitely got some tips and tricks um, to help us all navigate the rest of this year and to move forward so let's get started huge welcome thank you for taking the time to speak with us today sabrina firstly let's find out a bit about you um your background your journey of how you got to where you are now yeah so um thanks so much for having me lossie um so the journey that got me here i so i know we haven't got time today so i'm going to be try, i'm going to be aware that i'm going to try and keep my answers short but if i yeah, end up going Definitely Take as much as you like. To, um, cut me back. Um, so the journey for me, I guess, started um, with my own sort of moving from definitely suboptimal, low functioning. Um, you know, at school, I was had dyslexia, found that really, really difficult, came out, found university difficult, end of university, got quite sick, um, mm. had sort of multiple sensitivities. Uh, you know, it, it could even be the point where I could like wear perfume or something like that and I could throw up sort of five times the next day um it was it was pretty bad and it was really really hard to figure that out um it was really difficult to treat for doctors um and so I became sort of my own researcher of how to fix that and then once I'd started to fix it I was interested in sort of how far you can take it and you know once you get to sort of well how do you get to like extra well um and it was something that just interested me you know once you start to take the autonomy for your own health care and your own sort of wellness into your own hands you know it's it's fun to start doing these sort of like experiments of n equals one and so i think for me it was always going to be i was super interested in the health but i was also really interested in the psychology that allowed you to to be able to do. So it's one thing to figure out, okay, these things make me feel inflamed. I shouldn't be taking this, I should do this. And then implementing it for me is the like, really interesting <laughs> part because a lot of us, yeah. I think a lot of us um, <laughs> might 
deep down know that I shouldn't eat this. I should do this. I know when I work out, I do that. Um, mm-hmm. But I think the interesting part is, well, how do I actually get to the person who executes on that versus thinks about it and then beats myself up that I don't do it even though I know I should. So that's sort of what took me to the Human Potential Institute with coaching because they are really interested in, again, that like ultra performance, ultra wellness model. Um, And then I really wanted to sort of like specialize with people who really cared about that science. And for me, that naturally led to executives who are under a ton of pressure who need to consistently be performing over a long period of time at a really, really high performance rate. So you could, you could almost call them like corporate athletes, right? Is it, is it um, right. thrown around? <laughs> yeah. And so it's this sort of like utilizing science to be at your best, both uh, psychologically and physically. And that's sort of how my own journey kind of led to this, if that makes any sense. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm totally with you on that because sometimes, you know, it's so easy to say X equals Y, but it's, well, how am I going to get to Y? Because unless you've got the motivation and that belief and that wanting to do it because you know it's going to make you feel better, that is the hardest part for so many people. And I see that with finance. You know, everybody knows, you know, save your money, spend less, but actually it's the psychology around it, which is the hardest part for so Mm -hmm. many people. I'm totally with you on that. And then... So, so going back to, to what you're doing now, like what is really your mission for, for your clients and, and for your business that you've created? Um, so I think the mission is essentially, it's def- so there's, there's parts to it, right? The first part is use science to help people to self-actualize. And when we're thinking about self-actualization, we're obviously talking here about Maslow's hierarchy of needs and you know this need being like a growth need at the top rather than a lack need so the way that I think about it is that if people are buckets and you've got loads of like buckets walking around if everyone's bucket is depleted um you're not going to get they can't like be a full functioning bucket they haven't like fulfilled their purpose and they're walking around looking how can I fill myself they're not really thinking sort of outside their bucket of how can I fill others because they're themselves not filled, right? So the idea is that you can fill people's buckets with exactly what that bucket needs to be able to flourish, that you've then got this sort of nice domino effect that that bucket is sort of overflowing with like vibrancy and flourishing and self-actualization that they then have a positive domino effect, right? And I think the real mission is using the science of medicine, the science of psychology, and using that to try and overflow these buckets, right? With sort of, (laughs) I guess, self-actualization and health actualization so that you then have this like beautiful ripple effect. And, you know, I think that's the thing that the easiest place to see this is in organizations, because if you can, in theory, overflow a leader, right? With sort of positive, um emotions they're flourishing they're thriving you're going to be able to see like a nice ripple effect um if you massively deplete a leader you know you can imagine that you're you're going to be robbed of that possibility it's going to be far more difficult to have this sort of other alternative and so i guess the mission is to 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 get the buckets all overflowing so you've got this sort of like nice nice ripple effect of self-action you will yeah 
Yeah, no, I love that. I love that imagery that you've got. Now I can just see all these kind of like buckets running around with arms and legs, like happy buckets. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's really fun. Um, so I guess, yeah, we've touched on sort of like how the idea came about and, and uh, you know, from your own experience as well, but then actually crafting it into the Sentient Clinic, which is a brilliant idea of having it mobile and having this team that supports them. Like, how, how did you structure that? How did you come up with that? Yeah, so it was really interesting because I, so the concept of the of the clinic basically came about because I have recently just finished a diploma at the beginning of this year, um, which was an advanced practitioner diploma in executive coaching. And it was very, very uh, theoretically heavy. We had to do this sort of large theoretical thesis on it. And I got really interested in something called the bio-psycho-social-spiritual model, um, which is sometimes used what? in health. But if you looked at it to do with executive coaching, you could see all these aspects being met, but it really was missing the biological one. So if you thought of spiritual, there's a lot of coaches that would call themselves sort of existential coaches and they sort of they take care of that remit. If you look at the social, there's plenty of systems theory applied to coaching. There's a really famous coach called Mary Beth O'Neill who uses systems theory. Um, and then obviously psych psychology is like everywhere that's the that's the foundation of it but when i was looking at the bio side i really felt like it was missing from this sort of holistic model so i i started sort of musing with my husband <laughs> saying like why why can't we bring the biology into executive coaching like lisa felman barrett is this amazing neuroscience and i really really love her work and if you if you pay attention to her work you almost feel like it's dangerous not to take the biology of someone into account. So she talks about um, body budgeting, which is what the brain does when it's, it's like basically the whole time the brain is an accountant evaluating how much budget it has. And its budget is how, many, how much glucose it has, how well rested, like how much water. And it then tries to keep you alive, essentially, by <laughs> limiting spending and all the rest of this right and so what happens is that if you are in the red zone or if your body budget is very low your brain is going to prioritize predictability or it's going to favor predictability because it's metabolically cheaper than critical thinking so okay what am i talking about here what do you mean <laughs> yeah exactly so let's say i'm not well rested i'm i haven't eaten yeah. right I've, i'm really inflamed and i go to work and that day i need to really critically look at a key decision mm -hmm. that i need to make in business if i am if my body budget is low if i'm like depleted like i'm that little bucket that's like nowhere near overflowing i'm my brain is going to bias make me bias towards something predictable i'm going to look for a confirmation bias over using my critical brain to be open to thinking a new way than i already think so if you sense. think about that on a large scale if we're not taking the biology of a person into account then subconsciously they could be making decisions that maybe aren't the best decisions but internally it's metabolically cheaper for them to make that decision than to not based on the fact that they're not well rested they haven't eaten right and the rest of it so with with all this coming together i literally was like i need a team of you know yeah. doctors and dietitians and stuff to really be able to properly look at the biology of a person if we're going to coach to be able to understand when is the bucket going to be depleted when is it going to be full 
how is that going to affect the mental processing and can we bring it into the coaching conversation rather than have it be something that's completely separate and siloed and so that's how the sentient clinic kind of started i sort of was like you know let's not keep physical and psychology separate let's take them out of their silos and really sort of put them together around like an, uh, a multidisciplinary table and the the, yeah. it, the having it be mobile really came out of the pandemic you know i think a lot of people really wanted to not go to a hospital in in a perfect scenario and um you know services started popping up where you could get people maybe coming to do home visits and coming to your house and stuff like that and i think one of the also really important parts of health and why we wanted it to be mobile was that I think you can't underestimate a home inspection. I know that's going to sound really weird, but your environment is really going to factor into your psychological health, your physical health. And when we go to see a doctor on site, they have no idea about what our home looks like or like what kind of ecology we are living in most of the time, especially if we work from home. So with the whole having it be mobile, you've got a team of doctors and coaches that get to come to your house. They don't only do blood tests and give you a stool test or give you a continuous glucose monitor and ask you coaching questions they've also got a chance to like look around your house and check you know how how is your whole bedroom set up for sleep hygiene you know do you have loud noises and sort of blue light everywhere and it's going to be really difficult um you know if they open your fridge and your cupboard like are they going to see like tons of sort of you know highly processed <laughs> snacks <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, is temptation literally lurking everywhere or is it sort of set up? You can hide your secrets so well at home as well. And, yeah. and actually that is, I think, very a, a vulnerable yet powerful reflection as well. It's having an outside person who is critically going to assess the, the behaviours that you have at home. Like, unless it's your parent or your loved one or something like that, nobody else gets to see that and, and nobody mm. else would really people to to comment on it and and try and improve it for you as well i think that is a really interesting way of doing it mm. yeah so envi <laughs> environment being key so that's i think what drove the, the us wanting to keep it mobile um and so you're it's you're we're pushing what is holistic right so it's yeah. not just psychology and physiology then at that point it's environmental as well um so that's that's sort of the idea behind it that's super cool. So, so um, your typical clients then, um, we know we said like execs, is there any particular um, sphere that they're working in or? Tell us um, well, I think it's more, it's, it's, so it is execs or it's leaders because I think that there is a huge amount of pressure on them. If we talked again about, you know, they're sort of corporate athletes, they're expected to perform really well. And because they exist in a social system, they're not, how they show up emotionally is going to affect other people quite a lot. Yes. And so they're, they're the people who I feel like need the most support. They're the ones that I want to go and give the most support to. Um, but really it's for any individual who has sort of had a realization or a decision that they're like, you know what, I want to not just function well, I want to function really, really well. And I want to function really, really well, not at the expense of my health, going forward into the future. I think sometimes we can optimize ourselves in the moment, but we do it to the detriment of health further down the line. So it's for people who sort of are making that shift that health is coming into a top priority for them and that they want to optimize now, but also then continue that optimization going, you know, as far as they can see sort of thing. 
yeah longevity and again like everything you're saying i'm kind of just thinking about like with my clients when i'm doing the finance thing it's so easy well easy to think in the present it's really difficult for people to future um self themselves because we don't know who we have not met our future selves yet and we can't anticipate what might happen in the next five ten years but actually having somebody external to yourself saying actually i've seen this before i've worked with people who are in a similar position to you and i really believe that x y and z will help to improve your life not just now but in the future as well is really reassuring and so so important so yeah i, I really like this multidisciplinary approach as well because i think that's been a huge part of um you know uh comment on on doctors at the moment because they're so overstretched all they can do is see you for 10 15 minutes at a go and they're expected i mean maybe you need to start looking after the poor doctors as well you know yeah. they're expected yeah. to diagnose this you know very reactionary um experience that, that you're flinging at them and, and there is really really slim chance of them you know as you said you had to become your own doctor really when you were going through those issues because having somebody who's going to give you the attention understand mm -hmm. you as a person well is just impossible in this day and age so yeah this model is brilliant oh, so, um, yeah. <laughs> so just getting my computer froze there but it's fine yeah that's good that's fine um and so okay going back to optimizing our health then uh, what are the skills that you think that we could try and cultivate and get started in terms of optimization just as a base level yeah, yeah, base level. Um, so something that everyone can apply, right? I think that, uh, so there's the skill of interception, which is the ability to um, read and listen to your own body and what it's telling you. And I feel like this is a skill that should not be underestimated. Like your body is continuously trying to give you feedback to do with whether you have done something that has made it feel amazing or whether you have just done something that is making it feel really crap and <laughs> and you'd be like amazed <laughs> exactly and <laughs> this is the bit about human nature is that sometimes we can get that lesson over and over and over again and we just we just ignore it it's sort of like a snooze alarm in the morning but if i if you were yeah. wanted to take optimization seriously i would really cultivate the skill of interception and i think you can do that really easily by first of all just becoming more aware of how you feel um but i think also you know if anyone's into meditation or stuff like that and even if you're not i was about to say like meditation that is going to work for some people yes you can do body scans where you sort of like you know you imagine a uh, like you're on a um a photocopier and you've got like a scan going down and you're like okay how do my eyes feel how does my jaw feel Are my shoulders tight you know and you go down and you come back up the body that's a great exercise but for people who you know like i can't sit still i don't want to meditate even just doing playing games with yourself like what does my little toe on my right foot feel like right now right and so exactly yeah. people are like i haven't really trained the brain that <laughs> I much that. <laughs> that area exactly and so it's about sort of practicing and strengthening that muscle to be able to be able to go in and tune into how parts of the body are feeling and you know taking that information and maybe doing something about it rather than just sort of passively checking it out and then ignoring it, Ooh, you know? Um, 
<laughs> yeah exactly maybe don't wear those shoes like you yeah. know what I mean like girls we can you know oh I'm gonna wear those stilettos again for the fourth time even though it's completely blistered and like ruined all my toes so you know to do with health like yes I think listening to your body you're not going to listen to it all the time but building the skill that you can do something with the feedback loop I think is really really great and a another part of that which is sort of going on to sort of second skill that people should really look at is I think there's such a famous quote in sort of organizations where they're like, if you want, if you want to improve it, you've got to measure it. And I still think that does sort of apply to coaching as I'm um, not coaching into like, co like coaching your own health as well. So yeah. keeping a food journal, I think is so underestimated. Like literally, if you feel groggy, if you don't sleep well, if you have digestive issues, if you get headaches, if you took a food journal for a week, and looked at it in hindsight of when those symptoms were popping up, you would be able to have some sort of pattern recognition of, mm -hmm. okay, you know, I'll use a personal experience. Every time I ate soy, I got a headache the next morning. And okay, fine. So I had to that's something learn really... the times. Oh, go on. Yeah. No, no, no. Cause I was going to say, that's something that like we're continuously told, and I've got all these symptoms that you talk about. I'd be a key person for you to like study. Um, so when you've got the food diet, so for instance, what is it? My fitness pal, right? So you can log your food, but you can't log your symptoms against it. And it's, can you create this app please? Where you can log your symptoms and then maybe it has like trigger points for any of the um, like allergies that you might have, you know, it could be like, this is caused because this is um, an inflamed you because of this, or, or this is that, you know, we need to have that one step beyond just tracking the food, but tracking the symptoms and correlating that, you know, like um, flow, the, the period tracker, because you can track your symptoms there. I don't know if there's anything that does food. Um, I love that you've said that because that is definitely in the business plan. Because um, yes. uh, obviously we're both, we're both agreeing on that, that it's not just getting the data. The interesting part is the psychological state that accompanies the data and the uh, interception that you get or, you know, introspection of how do I physically feel when these things happen? And then being able to look, okay, so every time I felt tired, what was, what was happening? And then linking mm. those together, staging the intervention. So yes, tracking, tracking is huge. My fitness pal, what you can do is at the very bottom, you've got an opportunity to write notes on each day, diary. Oh. So the only thing mm. I would say then, you should be able to write the notes of the diary. And then I, this is now taking a long shot because I haven't seen this, but I know you can export the data. I don't know if the data is gonna export the notes as well, but you can export the data into a CVS file. And then you can sort of host your own experiment and have a look at when your notes were. So at yeah. the moment, it is sort of to do yeah. with the bloating. I'm like, oh, look, da, 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 da. like <laughs> constantly bloating. But yeah, well, that's exactly. That, then that brings me to the third skill, right, which is self-coaching. Like you've now got the data, you know, your favorite food is making you feel symptomatic and lethargic. And you're like, okay, so my best self would not include that, but I really want to have that in my diet. So at this point now, you're going to have to self-coach in a way like, what is it that's making me feel like I've got to include it? You know, is there a value system? Like maybe somebody's like, I need to feel like I'm free to be able to choose whatever food I need. And so this is taking <laughs> away freedom. And so you have to explore how do I reframe this in a way that I feel powerful when I choose not to do it 
rather than disempowered because I feel like I'm having something I like taken away. And so that's the yeah. sort of self self coaching thing. So I think if you built three skills, it's the uh, interception, it's the uh, tracking your own food, doing your own journals, doing experiments and seeing if you can pattern recognize, and then it's coaching yourself to be able to, once you've got that data, how have you got to frame it in a way that making those changes makes you feel empowered versus disempowered? I think that's a brilliant way of doing it. And it's substituting as well. And, and this is like the habit forming thing. And this is, again, what I do with my clients when it's, okay, don't spend on this, try and do this. And it's weaning yourself off it and, and understanding what the benefit is going to be. And what do they say? It's 21 days to, to make or break a habit. Um, and it's having as a coach, somebody like you, to, to be behind them for when they slip up and to keep them on track because there's so many things going on in our lives that having what I call professional parents is so important because you don't, sometimes it, you just don't prioritize yourself and it's really difficult yeah. to look after yourself when you've got other commitments and you kind of take a step back. So I, I really like in awe of anybody who has actually managed to, to keep themselves at peak optimization whilst working, whilst mother and all of these things, because it is hard to be it's human. So yeah. It's so difficult. There's so many things. Um, so, I mean, this is fascinating. I'm sure I could chat with you all day on this. So we've, we've got your three top tips. Are there any other resources or anything that, that you would suggest that people have a look at, apart from your website, of course? Um, I think, so you've mentioned actually an app that I think is, is really useful if you want to dig down deep into understanding what you're putting in your mouth a bit more, which is my fitness pal. I think that's really great. Um, I've also found... If anyone's recovering from injury, there is a great app called Muscle in Motion. Um, and the reason I like them is because they, they really heavily educate you around the musculoskeletal system. And that for every exercise that they show you, you have like the exact muscle breakdown, where it attaches to the skeleton, and then five ways how to not do the exercise to injure yourself, which I think is really useful. Um, so I think my fitness pal, Muscle in Motion, um, you know, doing, doing your own journals is definitely uh, a great thing. And then uh, I do want to give a shout out, actually. I'm really impressed with a company called Zoe. Uh, it, at the moment, it has a huge waiting list, um, but it's one of the most comprehensive uh, tests that I've seen to be able to understand what is the right food for you. They've even got sort of laboratory controlled muffins that you have to eat at a certain time. You have a continuous glucose monitor in your arm. They do a, a DNA analysis of your stool to find out what's in your gut. Um, so get onto that waiting list is, is sort of all I can say for that one. And um, Abbott, who is the company that does the continuous glucose monitor that everyone uses, um, it's not released yet, but they have waiting in the shelves. One day will come to us, they promised, is it's sort of next level. So instead of just measuring your glucose, you'll be able to continually monitor your lipids, your lactate, your alcohol, your ketones, and your glucose. Um, Gosh. And so I, yeah, getting hold of these things and being able to understand your own body and being able to have that biofeedback and taking care of it, I think is gonna be a real, a real game changer for the scene, so yeah. That's brilliant. And can I see, are you wearing an aura ring? I'm wearing an aura ring and I can't flash it now. <laughs> I also still have the glucose monitor in my arm because I've just done the Zoe uh, test myself. So um, yeah, I'm fully, I've even got my, uh, my uh, 
Apple Watch charging in the kitchen. So yeah, I'm I'm turning into half a robot for sure. Yeah, bionic <laughs> woman, the bionic yeah. optimized woman. You're going to just live for eternity, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not. It's not possible. But I think living as healthy as possible into old age is is definitely the goal. And that's I think sometimes the biofeedback sort of can massively help with that. Yeah. I love that. I love that phrase, biofeedback and having conversations with your body as well and journaling what you what you find with that. So thank you so much, Sabrina. Um, where can we find you as we wrap up? Yeah, so um, with the Sentient Clinic, obviously we're chewing through a ton of data all the time because we're looking at new science that's coming out. We're looking, we're reading through scientific papers. We're trying to validate, you know, which smart scale is the best smart scale to have at home to recommend to clients. So we <laughs> We've built a, um, a newsletter at the moment to take the best of that and sort of send it out to the community. So I think if you wanted to stay up to date, going to the website and subscribing to that, you, you'll get, you know, our sort of summarized condensed findings. Otherwise, you can sort of follow the Scenting Clinic on Instagram. Um, they've also got a LinkedIn page um, and that would that would probably be the best best bet for now. Yeah. Oh, that's so cool. Oh, thank you so much. Um, lovely, lovely to see you, to speak with you. And yeah, hope you have a brilliant afternoon, everybody. And if anybody's got any questions or wants to reach out to Sabrina, we'll, we'll tag her in all of these posts as well. And I'm sure that there'll be a lot to follow up on because this is just fascinating. Um, so thank you again. Lovely to see you. Thank you and so I'll much, Lofty. Such a pleasure. Really appreciate yes, it. Right. Okay, see you later. Thank you. See ya. Bye-bye. <laughs> Thanks so much for listening. We hope you enjoyed this episode just as much as we did. If you can think of anybody else who would benefit from listening too, please share it with them using the social media buttons on this page. And don't forget to like and subscribe so you don't miss out on any new episodes too. For further resources, make sure you're following us on Instagram at The Jura Society. And don't forget to sign up to our quarterly newsletter, The Wealth and Wellness Edit where you'll be the first to gain access to our in-person talks, events, and much, much more. Until next time, see you later. Bye-bye.